A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC and I'm here with... Hey, it's Andy. This is David. It's Jan. This week we're talking about Dead Man's Party, which is episode two of season three. It was written by Marty Noxon and directed by James Whitmore Jr. and originally aired October 6th, 1998. So uh, this is the first episode really back into the saddle of all things Buffy because Anne is kind of like there's two very separate storylines mm-hmm. going on of the Scoobies trying to deal with that Buffy and Buffy trying to get back into herself. But now everybody's back together and we're trying to get used to that. So the first question I have right out the gate is... What type of gallery does Joyce work for? <laughs> no idea. Well, it's an art gallery, and theoretically this is art. But yeah, I was kind of wondering. My question was, if they just got a shipment in from a dealer, isn't that stuff they're supposed to be selling? Yeah. Well, yeah, that that was my actual question. I mean, it's- Joyce could have just been like, ooh, I'm going to order this one too at my discount and buy it for myself. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. it just seems like Art Gallery of the Damned, though. It's Sunnydale. It, it, it's it, it's not that aspect that really bothers me. It is what David said. It's like the way Joyce phrases it, it mm-hmm. does sound like this is something that they were going to be selling, but she's decided to put it up in the house for a bit. But it's like, that doesn't really make any sense because that's not how art galleries work. Yeah. No, um, unless she purchased it herself. Like she saw it and like, oh, it's all for sale. You know, I like this one. I'm going to buy it. I mean, I've never quite been sure. Like, does Joyce work for the gallery or is it or does her she own gallery it? i think she owns the gallery i've never been sure about that i haven't yeah. either but i think the way she talks about it and the fact that there are crates in her house that mm. she unpacks sometimes leads me to believe she owns the gallery right because she there's that scene and i can't remember which episode where she's got all those boxes in the kitchen and she can't okay. get them open and buffy Prize them open with Slayer strength. I, I think it's the witch that that happened. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it is the witch, which led always led me to believe that, like, why would packages mm-hmm. be delivered to your home if you didn't own the gallery? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which would make it slightly more sensible that she could take a piece if she wanted to. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that she had to buy the pieces outright and then sell them in the gallery. Mm-hmm. But still, it, it's, it's very strange. Quite, I mean, right, and it depends on... A gallery versus a museum where they have exhibits that come in of this Nigerian mask stuff versus an art show where artists put their stuff up and there's a commit. Yeah, it, yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, I mean, like, this beginning scene, I mean, there's going to be a lot of moments where we say that Joyce is terrible, but I actually kind of like her in this opening scene mm-hmm. where she's trying really hard to accepts Buffy's life but is 
it's so fucking awkward. Yeah. It's actually very endearing because you can see she really wants her to stay. She She's like sort of overcompensating at this point, but she cares. and she She's trying to show Buffy that she cares. So, yeah. I mean, the entire theme of this episode is lack of communication. It's communication mm-hmm. breakdown yeah. and not being honest. And, you know, so there's that. I mean, she is mm-hmm. she is trying in this scene, although she's clearly still in deniable uh, denial about what's actually going on. Because I mean, yeah. she goes you're talking about getting back to normal, and and when she when Buffy's going, she goes, "Have a good time slaying," you know. Yeah, will be slaying. She is she is very clearly not taking on what's really going on yet. Yeah, I do. The vampires for me. Yeah. <laughs> And that comes out even more in a later scene. Oh, yeah. But Buffy goes out and she meets up with the gang. And the biggest thing I have to mention is it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. Oh, that is in my notes. Unintentional foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah, that just like lit up in neon while I was watching. Mm -hmm. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is Cordy is dressed like wish first Buffy. Yeah, she is. She looks great, but she is dressed like wish first Buffy. Yeah. The gang is actually pretty well set up for slaying, considering they don't have the slayer. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it's taken so long, if they've been slaying all summer, to get to this point. Because they didn't have, you know, walkie-talkies or these big crosses in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But they actually seem like everything that they're doing makes a lot of sense. You know, they've got the big crosses. They've got the walkie-talkies to stay in contact. It's like, you should have been doing this all fucking summer. Yeah, I should note, though, that the big honking cross that Xander's wearing doesn't seem to actually do anything. No, it yeah, really doesn't. Vampire attacks him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was Jewish. <laughs> Maybe he was a Jewish vampire. I mean, that's Maybe, never... Uh, the vampire. I, you know, as the old joke goes, the Veldgunisch which means nothing's going to work. It happens when a Jewish vampire attacks you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what about... What about atheist vampires? Do they just like fuck that cross? Whatever. You know, you know, I don't think it's ever addressed in Buffy or Angel, but I mean there are certainly vampire stories where that is significant. I mean, there was a Marvel comic called Greenberg the Vampire at one point right. who was a Jewish vampire and that was a relevant plot point. <laughs> yeah, you would think that Muslim or Hindu vampires would be the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I know in X-Men comics, uh, and, and this probably goes for all of the main Marvel comics, that it wasn't the faith of the vampire, it was the faith of the wielder that mattered. That, because, may, yeah. okay, like, that makes sense. Like, the cross didn't work for Wolverine because he didn't believe in anything, but the Star of David worked for Kitty because ah, she believed Right. That. I forgot about that. Yeah. And so yeah. I would, as an agnostic, I just, like, hold up something meaningful to me i'm like here's a leaf it's a piece of nature <laughs> it protects me from you because i believe in something Car- like, carry a copy of the principia mathematica around with you it just, or a, 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 like a picture of princess leia like this is go. the thing i believe <laughs> in go. so you cannot touch me uh, mm-hmm. there we go i believe in the force and the force believes in me so xander looks pretty hot in this scene with like the turned up collar and everything, it's like Nikki doesn't always doesn't usually do a lot for me, but he looks good. You you mean Nighthawk? Nighthawk, Night yes. <laughs> so, and uh, Cordelia's "Hey Buffy" never fails to make me laugh. Oh yeah, Cordelia also is super beautiful in this episode. She does, like yeah. her hair is like ah. Uh, season three, Cordy yeah. is just like wow. 
this is all you people think about is sex, it isn't is. it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, us women, we're just the worst. Well, I actually think that season three is for me probably peak in terms of fashion. Yeah, I love the outfits in season three. I really like season four too. I enjoy season four. Yeah, as I said last week, I mean, just like Sarah Michelle Geller's hair and like the chunky highlights and stuff, which is like so nineties. I keep noticing it, and she just looks so beautiful, and I just love the. No, we're gonna talk about that pink dress later because I have things to say. But yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the the gang ends up going over to Giles's place, and Mm. that oh my god, that quiet moment between them, Uh. which is only broken up by Xander just yes running his fucking mouth once again shut up xander yeah it's it's such a sweet moment and buffy's just tiny tiny smile when she sees giles i love it Mm -hmm. when giles goes like off to get the tea and he like almost loses it i like got all for clamp because i was just like oh my god what a beautiful moment a beautiful tony moment i know it's yeah once again tony knocks it out of the park i mean we we will see that a lot (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure he's so subtle in this episode and unlike everybody else he's not trying to miscommunicate with Buffy he's trying to give her breathing space and time yeah, um, yeah he's so one of the two people negative to say about when do I ever have something negative to say about Giles <laughs> yeah I mean, um, just to me like the fact and he doesn't say anything it's just like the physicality mm-hmm. and also the fact that you just know what's going on there without him having to say or, or do much it's just ah, it's beautiful yeah. so and I mean, like, the scene is really nice because they're trying to make the gang seem like they're just falling into their normal thing. Mm. But there is something off about everything that they're saying. Yeah. It feels hollow. Yeah. Though I do like the Belgium conversation, but I think Belgium is just funny. Belgium. I was say, Belgium is always like a good punchline, just ask Stephen Moffat. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and they really just hand wave away that wanted for murder thing like it's oh like, god yes you're not wanted for murder well, I'm anymore sure, i'm yeah. sure they all again we said in the in the coming episodes that like all the police are going to need is willow and xander and giles's testimony that buffy was not well, even in the room when kendra died well yeah i'm just surprised that you know like maybe joyce didn't mention it <laughs> but oh, whatever true, right yeah <laughs> yeah well oh, honey yeah. by the way <laughs> yeah and uh, we get Snyder being Snyder. Oh, it's so uh, great. Okay, you know, my moment of Armin Shimmerman love. But can I say something? And this is like something I noticed immediately. Where In the past, where Snyder was just like evil because he was just like a nasty little piece of work. Here, and I mean, granted, it's knowing. It seems like he's there's more evil. There's like a different intent with his words and stuff. He just comes off more as like suddenly like a super, you know, a villain as compared to just being an asshole in the past. Oh, he's vile in this scene. He, yeah, that's oh, yeah. what I'm saying. It's suddenly, it's like, no. it's suddenly amped up because you know what's going on. I mean, we know now back then we didn't, but there's just like a different, there's a, a subtle difference to me in like the way he's playing the character. I, I yeah. think it's because he knows or thinks at this point he has absolute power. So he's yeah. not on the back foot because sometimes Snyder kind of does his little thing, but is also a little on the back foot about things. And this mm-hmm. time he's just like, nope, she's not coming back. That's not going to happen. Well, this is um, this is the first scene where we have mentioned this season of the mayor, of the mayor, yeah. That's yeah. What I'm which of course like, will you know, become a major thing very quickly. Uh, but please tell me that in the the real world, all this talk about tingling sensations would be grounds for a lawsuit. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was gross, but it was wonderfully gross because it's it's Armin Shimmerman and Snyder. I don't know. 
But yeah, like I said, there's just something like yeah. there's a the nuance to me of his performance overall. But yeah, we don't need to know about like Snyder's tingly parts. But it's hilarious. Oh, it is. He's he's always like knocking it out of the park. Well, yeah. again, Shimmerman's wonderful, but but he's wonderful yeah. at being awful here. So yeah. it's kind of a mixed. I bag. love. I like Principal Snyder is one of my very favorite minor characters on Buffy because mm-hmm. he's just. Oh awesome. yeah. I mean, it's not like oh the evil and you want to get to know the evil and what's behind the. He's like the banality of evil, first of all. But he's yeah. also mm-hmm. like he's just he's just so fun and he sucks so hard, but he's so good at sucking so hard. Oh, that sounded yeah. dirty. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. And it's also funny as hell in 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 his vileness. So yeah, yeah. he's great. Evil comic relief. The comic yeah. relief of evil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed about and sorry, I'm going to be talking about you know fashion again, but Buffy in that uh, purple and pink outfit. Mm-hmm. It was during this episode that they filmed or that they shot uh, promo. Pro- that was, for the, season that three. outfit was in all the promos. It was in all the promo. I remember for years I had like a full movie sized poster of the gang in front of Sunnydale High and Buffy was right in the center wearing that. I had the same poster. So um, Buffy goes to meet Willow. This is actually an incredibly notable scene. This is the first time we see Maple Court, Mm -hmm. which is the main drag Mm -hmm. in Sunnydale and the first appearance of the Espresso Pump along with it. This will be like an iconic kind of location in Sunnydale for the rest of the show. I mean, it's also tipping us off that we have a bigger budget because there's like a whole other set going on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this is our first like major exterior standing set. So. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I mean, yeah, they did set this up. Like if I remember correctly, the production offices were inside all of the buildings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. This set gets reused on um, another television show that was on right after, like, right as as Buffy wasn't canceled, but ended. And I can't remember what it's called, but there was a Buffy actor on it. And so they said it was really weird being on the, like, they just reused this set. They had him reuse this set. Maybe it was Nathan Fillion. I I can't remember. It it was a very short-lived show with Alicia Silverstone. I don't know. Um, oh yeah, that uh, miss, mismatch uh, or whatever mismatch. Yeah. mismatch yeah. yeah, charisma. I think that was Nathan. Maybe Fillion. it was charisma yeah. or Nathan filling one of them. So um, they do yeah. reuse the set, and I immediately went, "That's that's that's Sunnydale." Um, so anyway, yeah. I like the set. It's a good set. Yeah, yeah. And just I got, something that crossed my mind. I mean, Schneider was going on about you know hot dog on a stick and stuff, and we've been talking last week about how come Buffy can't get like she's already been a waitress. Why couldn't she work at the espresso pump? I mean, why did she have to go to Double Meat Palace? But anyway. Um, just these things that come to mind as you're watching. It seems like a nicer place, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so yeah, Buffy goes to the espresso pump, but uh, Willow ends up not showing up, and she goes back home, and we get the first appearance of Pat. I love Pat! <laughs> it's Pat! <laughs> okay, um, back in the day, people thought Pat were was totally into Joyce. Well, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Pat just comes off to me as one of those, like, well-meaning but shit-stirring white ladies you know what i mean yeah and i'm gonna say the costuming here is like really kind of brilliant because like she's got the mom clothes on right the little collared shirt and the like you know kind of you know but she's also got and i'm using quote fingers ethnic necklaces on yeah which is totally signaling just 
subtly through costuming who Pat is. And Nancy Lena, mm-hmm. it's like it's Nancy Lenahan, right? Is that who it is? Yeah, Nancy Lenahan. We talk about that guy actors all the time. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, yeah. But we don't talk about the that guy or the lady actors. And she's on yeah. everything. She is. And she does turn up a always lot. Always yeah. really good. And again, I think those kind of actresses don't get enough credit for really enhancing, like, what's mm-hmm. going on, the scene, the sort of just bringing their their A game quietly under the radar because they're not stunning, glamorous actors, you know, but they're mm-hmm. quietly there. So I love Pat. I mean, Pat's super annoying, but I yeah. love the character. She's so great. They do set up exactly who Pat is. Yeah. She is one of these ladies who has, like, every single night she has her little clubs. And you know she goes to a Rampanana night and they're cooking, but mostly they're just shit-talking other people who are not there. Mm-hmm. Right. mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's got the book club, and she's probably got, like, a Tupperware party or, you know, one of these home That jewelry things. was probably bought from somebody yeah. who was selling it out of a suitcase. Or like, you know, let's she have our little jewelry, jewelry making here. club. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it, yeah. it... Costuming there, it was just, like, spot on with, like, oh, I recognize what kind of person you are based on your, like, mom outfit, even though I don't think Pat has kids. They don't mention it, but... Why would she be around Joy so much doing all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I get the feeling she's like one mm-hmm. of those single ladies, like divorced or just never married. You know, I don't want to use the word spinster because that's not a nice word. But divorced just or a... never married and too into Joyce? What could that mean? Mm, right. She's a cat lady. <laughs> yeah, she's just, she knows who she is immediately. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, she is a and, type. Yeah. Yeah. And we get uh, Buffy going in and Joyce telling her that she's invited the Scoobies over for dinner. And I, I love the line, um, uh, Willow and everyone aren't company plate people. They're normal plate people. Yeah. Because it's such a good description of who the Scoobies really are. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there are people where it's like, you will put out your fancy stuff for them. Yeah. And then you like your friends who are just like, whatever. Like, I don't care that you're here. Like, you're it's just my mother would never put out the good plates for my friends unless it was like prom yeah. and we were making dinner. But. We didn't have good plates. We just had plates. Like we didn't have yeah. good. We didn't have. We didn't do china. Yeah, in our house we had very good plates, and those actually didn't come out except for like the holidays. Like if we were doing Passover dinner, I mean, and otherwise, even like when the family came over, they got the everyday plates. It was just the fancy schmancy when it was like Passover dinner. And mm-hmm. I mean, considering these, I mean, Joy should know. I mean, considering it's like Willow and and. Willow and Xander, who've been like lying around the house, you know, eating potato chips in Buffy's bed. You would think that she would know they're, they're the normal place because they're basically. She's overcompensating yeah, I... though at this point. Oh, that yeah, is overcompensating. I'm actually going to take this opportunity to defend Joyce because I'm not going to do a lot of that in this episode. Okay. And and I'm just like my 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 feeling. I think what I I, I this is very much Buffy and Joyce coming from two different directions. But I think what what Joyce is doing is like it's an occasion. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, want to use yeah. the nice plates. It's well, not about saying, these yeah. are fancy people. It's a thing. Yeah. I and, think everybody in this situation is trying to overcompensate for the situation. They yeah. want to avoid actually talking about what's going on. So Joyce wants to make a fancy dinner. And then the kids are like, well, no, let's make it, you know, a party. Um, I right. do want to know how the heck that photo of Buffy and Xander and Willow ended up in the basement. I have that same note. It's like, Joyce, did you just strip yeah. all the stuff of your child and her friends 
out of yeah i was wondering about house? that i mean maybe the cat brought it down there before it got killed <laughs> right i don't yeah i'm just like why would you all of a sudden take that away yeah. i mean wouldn't that be in buffy's room and she didn't clear buffy's yeah. room and i mean mm-hmm. i don't think they were talking on the phone every day but was there any communication between Joyce and the gang? You know what I mean? A check-in or... It's yeah. implied. It's implied that there is. Yeah. There were. There was. Yeah. yeah. It was just... It was super random. It was. Um, I mean, it was so Buffy could stare at it longingly, but... Yeah. Yeah. To have an emotional beat, but it... Yeah. And then Dead Cat falls on her and they go out to dig the grave. I do have to say, God damn it, as somebody who has dug a lot of graves for cats... <laughs> That grave was ridiculously shallow, and if that cat didn't zombify, it would have been dug up by prey in like a moment, anyways. Also, there's something weird when they threw when they threw the cat in there. It was wrapped in plastic, and then like you, know, it, all of a sudden, it's not. It, it's perfectly fine. It just seemed like you know, it, it, it's, it's the Laura Palmer of like cats. I don't know. <laughs> it's also kind of undignified. It just like throw out the trash, you know. Poor well, cat. okay. Also. Mm. Not anything about the cat and the burying, but that's a different backyard than we'll see later. That, that is, is the first time we see the Summers backyard. I mean, and that's that's a way to the like left of the house, to one side of the house. It's not. The I backyard, actually didn't but... realize that it was supposed to be the backyard. You I can, they were you can it in the front see yard. Summers. Yeah, it looks like you can see the Summers house like next to it, but it's you know it's an outdoor location instead of a built backyard like you're going to see in later seasons in season six and. Season seven. Maybe the Summers family are jerks and they're burying it in someone else's yard. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> or the empty lot. Like, no, there's not an empty lot next to it. It felt like there was an empty lot next to the house. And we know, looking at the geography forge, the house, there's not an empty lot next to the house. It was just weird. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, we get uh, Joyce. Again, she's really trying when she's talking to Buffy about, you know, maybe we could tell the principal and the police, you know, they would want a superhero yeah. working for them. She's trying to apply mundane logic to this fantastic yes. world. Yeah. And I feel it's like, again, this is I'm not going to be defending Joyce a lot more in this episode she's no. pretty terrible for the rest of it but in this one scene she's just trying to wrap her head around it but she still hasn't she's accepted what buffy is but she hasn't quite accepted the world that buffy is in you know especially with the whole her blaming giles and they're checking in and they're very stilted in the last episode i suspect joyce mm. has never been sat down or told what this all involves and how it the yeah. logistics mm-hmm. of yeah. Buffy patrolling and then homework, you know, like there's just not a lot of, yeah. you know, and so like I get her trying to, I, yeah, same with same like you said, MC. I get her trying to sort of apply real world principles to a fantastical situation because I think when weird or strange or illogical things happen to all of us, that's you know you, you try, try to, to explain you try it. to explain it, you know, or you try to use the skills and the tools and the information that you have from your past to apply it to a new situation that doesn't always work. But so, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think Joyce is being unreasonable. We know it's a dumb thing I, for her to say, but she yeah. doesn't know it's a dumb thing for her to say. Yeah. Right. It also feels to me like she's trying to like wrap it up in nice paper and put a bow on it, even if it's for her own psyche, because she's trying to say, Oh, you're a superhero. Like, cause we said, well, she doesn't really know what anything entails. So she's trying to put a positive spin on it because that will make her feel better about what Buffy does and how she does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and their argument 
their or disagreement, let's call it at this point, gets interrupted quite quickly by uh, Zombie Cat. River was not a fan. Mm. River was not a fan. She was like, hmm, I'm way better than that cat. Right, babe? No, yeah. But yeah, Zombie Cat and Giles comes over and yeah. pulls the cat out and he gets his little view of the, the mask. Uh, and then tells Buffy that she's not allowed on school property. Which, uh, isn't surprising considering no, she's been expelled. Yeah. 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 You can tell that Go. Giles is not fully recovered from the whole Buffy yeah. being away thing. His hair is out of place. <gasps> I know, it's slightly mussy. It's it's must. It's like, oh my god, what's is he okay? <laughs> uh Andy's smirk right now. I was trying not to say <laughs> it on the podcast. I was trying to like not do the thing that I do, but apparently Oh, I will call you out on things. Uh, I didn't uh, mention in the scene prior Giles' rolled up sleeve showing his forearms, huh? I had restraint, <laughs> but if you're going to call me out on it, I'm just going to talk about it. Giles. Okay. Of the obligatory, David Boreanaz is in the opening credits. We have to have him in a scene. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we have Buffy's dream sequence, which I th- actually in the scene, like, I know they haven't actually changed where they shoot Sunnydale High. Mm-hmm. The exact it's same Torrance. place. I can't it's remember Torrance what school, school. It is. Torrance, yeah, Torrance High School, right? Uh, but it looks so much better now. It looks so much bigger, uh, and I think it's just because of the change in the film stock and just like the the better direction and the more money. It looks so much. It does. Better. I mean, mm-hmm. and it, like obviously Torrance High School. We talked about this before. You can see that in like so many shows. I mean, it's oh, yeah. nine hundred two one zero. It's the same high school as Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Right. And yeah. She's all that. No, the one with the. She's all. Yeah, she's yeah. all that because uh, Sarah, Sarah has Michelle Geller has a cameo yeah. in it. Cameo uh, in that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, David Boreanaz, gonna say, looks hot in that coat. Looked really good. But yeah, it was like, it really felt like, okay, David's in the credits. We have to have some kind of obligatory scene where he's in it. Yeah, I think that's why I almost skipped over that because, like, if we don't find anything else well, we, from this we, other than, like. We also have another scene with Joyce and Buffy in the kitchen where. She talks about the consequences and more about sending her to the... Oh, her bad choices. bad choices. Joyce does talk about you made bad decisions and there are consequences. Again, as an audience, we know that those decisions... Well, first of all, none of those decisions were decisions. They were things that happened. No. Um, Except for the running away. But we'll get into that when they get in their big fight. But I do like... I'm really conflicted because Joyce actually does say... Some things that parents should say when they're... Buffy's being a teenager, for sure. Um, in yeah. her reactions. We know there's a lot more behind it. But when Joyce actually says, you made bad decisions, now there's consequences to your actions. And then she backs off and isn't as... Again, Joyce is a terrible parent. She's way better after this episode. We get it all cleared up. But the way she says yeah. it is very... Because it is a parent's job to remind your kids that not everything is going to be what they want all the time. And there are consequences to actions. And Joyce doesn't Mm -hmm. know how Angel died or even much about why Buffy left. Right. She just knows that this weird blonde man shows up. She tells her daughter to leave and her daughter never comes back. I don't, 
think she's right. Well, well, Buffy left because Joyce said, if you go out that door, don't come back. But like, I don't know if I'm I'm sorry. Joyce is very much complicit in why Buffy left. For sure. And I also don't think that Joyce knows the whole story of what, I mean, most of them don't know what happened, but at least Giles Mm -hmm. and Willow and Xander know that Buffy had to go into this like fight of her life. So I don't know. I'm super conflicted. Mm -hmm. Anyway, now we get the scene with the kitty and Oz. Okay, yes, yeah, so the, the Scoobies uh, end up uh, meeting up in the library to try to uh, research why this cat has come back, and they get distracted so fucking easily. This scene is yeah, so I, this has come up enough times. funny, though. I want to call this out. Why bother doing research if you're just going to turn pages without looking at them? They're yeah. teenagers. Some of this is they're teenagers. No, but Giles does it. Giles yeah. does it this time. He is not a teenager. <laughs> and but teenagers who invites some who invites a band to a party without checking with the host who <laughs> it's whatever yeah. it is okay well uh i think kids today uh, part of this has to do with the whole miscommunication mm-hmm. things the mm-hmm. gang does not want to talk about uh what's going on with Buffy, as Xander says, did you meet any nice pimps on your travels? And all I have to say is porn stars. Porn, stars, porn Sam. stars, Sam. Yes. But yeah, they don't want to talk about what happened with Buffy or what they've gone through. So they're trying to like throw the entirety of the Sunnydale High senior class in between Right, so them. they don't have to have an intermittent gathering with Bree where they actually might yeah. have to talk about their issues. I blame most of it on Willow and Xander more than I do on Cordelia. Oh, and yeah, no. I mean. Oh, yeah. I Okay, can we talk about the gathering versus the shindig versus the hootenanny? Hootenanny. Has hootenanny. anybody ever used that to describe their parties? Anyone? Yes. yes. I'm like, okay. what? Well, of course right. I have. Chock full of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. Little bit of nanny. Greatest. I'll give Marty props for that line. That line is fabulous. And and Seth's delivery is just amazing. I, again, this is starting to establish Oz as an actual character outside of being somebody who is interested in Willow. Mm-hmm. Because in season two, that's and a kind of all we got. Yeah. But now he's talking to people that aren't Willow and he is kind of developing this very quirky, you know, fun kind of. He's becoming more, more part of the group than group adjacent. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, they're being mm-hmm. selfish and doing it, but the scene itself and the dialogue is pretty fun. It is it's yeah. really fun. Yeah. So. yeah, I actually, yeah. Willow seems to be the one who's really pushing for everything, I feel. Like, and I mean, we'll obviously get more into this, you know, later on. But yeah, she's like, no, we got to do this. We got to do this because they don't want to talk about things. And yeah, I mean, like, not asking Buffy or Joyce. Though, I mean, Joyce seems to not have a single problem with what's going on. No. Ugh. And also, frankly, the way the party is originally planned, like, getting Buffy's friends together to, like, as a welcome back thing, it's like, that she invites Pat. Yeah. It's like, that's... what the... I mean, unless it's like, she finds out that, oh, there's going to be an entire band and 300 other people here, well, then I might as well invite Pat. I'm really unclear about whether Joyce has any idea what the party is going to turn into before it does. Well, and I have major... I don't think she does. The band just shows up. Again, I think a lot of this, she's inviting Pat. All that stuff is 
and Willow trying to plan to have this bigger party is them trying to like not be alone with Buffy. So if Pat is there, even at the small gathering, Mm -hmm. they don't like, then it's like there's company and we're not going to talk about our issues and polite company. It's a buffer. I think Pat's always meant to be there as a buffer. And also Pat is not in on Buffy's secret while everybody else in the Scooby gang is. So if Pat's Mm -hmm. there, they can't talk talk about about Buffy Buffy being being the Slayer. Slayer. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's why Pat is there even before the gathering gets large is. Yeah. But I mean, very quickly the gathering gets large and we see uh, Devin coming in and um, this is really random, but I really like that. I I, I want to call him an extra, but he did have like a couple of lines through it. But the, the guy who's like, I, I think this party is for a chick who just got out of mm-hmm. rehab while mm-hmm. he's smoking a joint. And then later on, he's like, guys got to do a shot. Um, um, which Yes. Well, he's he's also the guy who answers the phone right. when Giles yeah. calls. So he he definitely has like he's definitely not an extra. Okay, yeah, he's he's got enough stuff going on. So this is not just Joyce having bad parenting skills. This is Joyce having bad adulting oh. skills. She's she mm-hmm. yeah. There's a joint. The kids are talking about doing shots. She's in the you know there. You can hear glasses breaking. You can hear things breaking throughout the house. And Joyce, oh, yeah. who is yeah. an adult is just sitting in the other room letting underage kids drink and smoke marijuana in her home. That's just, like, mm. that's, like... She's just hiding in the kitchen with Pat and basically just ignoring yeah, that, that's everything. that's just truly bad adulting. Most of the stuff that I have to talk about like this is um, uh, just Buffy is, like, wandering through this party just trying to, like, connect with her mm. friends. And, and everyone's um, being a shit. Yeah. And everybody's being a shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like my first note on the party is like Xander and Cordy. When someone's talking directly to you, don't just make out. Yeah, Yeah, I did. I did think Cordy was pretty funny there. But yeah. Oh, Xander is awful. Cordy's being Cordy. Some of the behavior in this episode, I I don't take any issue with Cordy and I don't take any issue with Oz, you know. Cordy's at a a high school party where you make out with your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Xander and Willow are bad. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, Xander and Willow in this episode, this feels almost like a precursor to, I want to say, Empty Places, the one where they Mm -hmm. kick Buffy out of her house. Yeah. Um, Mm. Because kind of everything is kind of like the same where they're all ganging up on Buffy. Like, I want to get into it now. I want to get into the big argument that takes place Mm -hmm. in this episode because it's the the emotional crux of the episode and kind of everything else is kind of bullshit uh buffy is like she ends up overhearing that joyce kind of wishes that she you know never you know came home which as somebody Mm -hmm. who has uh heard stuff from their mother in kind of a similar vein that's fucking devastating Mm -hmm. when that happens but i mean like parents are people and sometimes need to vent their frustrations and they have you know bad toxic thoughts and buffy Mm -hmm. just happened to catch it at the wrong time and Mm -hmm. so she decides to leave again because she has these just open like flayed nerves of emotion that she's Mm -hmm. not able to talk about and so she's kind of like the she needs to get out and willow just fucking attacks her fucking willow in this i uh yeah, as you know, I I adore Willow, but here it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, she is she is just like like you know Buffy's obviously having a bad time of it, and it's just like 
Well, the answer to that is to jump down her throat. Yeah. Mm. Well, the thing that really bothers me about it is how much Willow turns it into, well, what about me? Like, what about all of the stuff that I've been through? Nothing that Willow's gone through over the summer, with the exception of fighting vampires, is particularly bad. She's da- she's in a serious relationship. She's studying witchcraft. All of this stuff is good things. Mm-hmm. And also, what about her supposedly like super close relationship with Xander? And she's like, I had nobody to talk to about all this stuff. You know Buffy has gone through something serious. You don't know what happened to Angel. Have you fucking asked? Did you say, hey, Buffy, I tried to do the spell to give Angel his soul back. I mean, no one's even asked if Angel died. Like, they didn't even, I mean, I guess they assumed that she defeated Angel, but they don't know. I mean, they don't know unless they've talked about it off screen, right? Because the last time they saw, you know, last time we saw them at the end of Becoming Part 2, they were talking about, well, maybe it all worked out and Angel's off with Buffy's off with Angel or maybe she, you know, so like, I don't, yeah. They'll address it briefly in Giles's subplot in the next episode. But, uh, yeah, nobody has actually questioned what happened with Angel. When I first saw this episode, I really thought the kick his ass thing was going to come up. I did too. It would have made so much fucking sense. Um, So here's my counterpoint. They're teenagers. I'm not going to counterpoint to Joyce because she's going to be awful in a second and should fucking know better. Teenagers' brains are not as fully formed. They have impulse control issues. They have a problem coming out with their emotions. They have, in terms of developmental stages, they're just not quite there. And so a lot of times teenagers, and adults too, like, but a lot of times teenagers personalize everything. That's what you're doing. Your your problems are always the biggest problems. Other people's, you know what I mean? It's like, how does your problem relate to my problem? How does your problem make me feel about myself not how does your problem how do you need help with your problem it's always like how are actions affecting me not how are like yeah. and that's that's just how a lot of teenagers think yeah. I, I guess i did i did being a teenager wrong then because mm-hmm. i was not this well, much yeah, of a but dick. you never you're <laughs> never this much of a dick ever david that's like part i mean you know what i mean i'm like i'm not trying to argue with it but like you're like kind of the exception to rules about like you know like you're just you're just a cool dude so yeah yeah but i mean like i can exp- there are some things where it's like okay they're teenagers but xander fucking saying that most people don't hop a greyhound over boy trouble it's like there are pe- people have died people that you supposedly cared about were brutally murdered and put in other people you care about beds like things were fucking bad like she did not just hop a greyhound over boy okay xander is the worst i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna give him a pass i guess i'm pointing out that conversation with buffy and willow where willow attacks her but then backs off and they actually have a little bit of talking back and forth before willow is stupid again but Mm -hmm. like at least in that moment i can see that willow's big problems of having a boyfriend and needing somebody to talk to is gonna take over because she just isn't mature enough to process that. Xander's a dick. Xander. But though that's just my counterpoint. It's mm-hmm. not like you totally agree, disagree with me. But counterpoint to that. Yeah. Just for me, like, it's so clear how much oh, trauma Buffy sure. is going through yeah. in this episode. And nobody's fucking respecting it. It's 
everybody's taking the moral high ground over you yeah. ran away, you know, you quit. Oh, and also it's it's a party. The party is supposedly welcoming Buffy home and supposed to show we're really happy to have and you back. Not. And everyone ignores her. Right. Yeah. Again, I'm not like 100% defending. It's it's a counterpoint. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I take I take what you're saying and yeah, yeah I mean, obviously you you do have a point, but narratively it's just like it's i i I mean at this point i honestly in my notes i have i have like there's like we've reached the point in the episode where we can literally we can absolutely use the term oh for sure and also yeah with with you know what the whole making buffy feel like crap a counterpoint to my counterpoint (laughs) is that that the writers i'm not sure whose side the writers are on i Mm. feel based on the end of the episode that we were supposed to think that buffy right i know and that is not. I mean, Buffy, being a teenager too, is not talking about that trauma. She's not ready to go there. Um, she's got undiagnosed PTSD, like all that myriad of things. But we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. But yeah, in my mind, and you know I'm a Buffy defender always, but like I, Buffy's in the right. She's just not ready to say things yet. She's, yeah, I, I think everybody else is a piece of shit, mm-hmm. yeah. regardless of my counterpoint. Uh, the only person who's not a piece of shit well, is Giles, because he wasn't there. Well, and also he's um, not laying guilt trips. He's he's not making big proclamations. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting and back and waiting and not expressing and making all feelings about him until he knows that Buffy's ready. So his approach is way different. But he finally finds that goddamn page where, like, that yeah. mask was on, like, big as life, just, I like, know. right there. That was my question. It's like, did he go back to look at the same book again? I or guess does he, he have did. lots of books on Nigerian art? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he, you know, figures out what's going on. And he goes off and he gets attacked by zombies. and As you do. And and, oh and the best God. bit, uh, him him hot no, wiring the car. Yeah. Is his... <laughs> Hold on, let me find the exact words. Do you like Do you like my mask? Oh, yeah, Is it know, pretty? It... it raises the dead. Yes, the dead <laughs> Americans. I just yeah, the way no. Tony says it. Do you like my mask? Is it pretty? My... Okay, both parts are great in different ways because sarcastic making fun of joyce giles is awesome hot but wiring also, the car hot wiring a car ripper i mean of course yeah. he knows how to hot wire the car that scene was cut out in england for imitatable uh behavior ah ooh, there's quite a bit cut out of the uk yes. broadcast of some of these actually i, I remember people mm-hmm. online talking about oh i don't remember that yes. scene and they it was when they were getting it months later yeah. on sky or whatever but yeah, so Giles hot wires the car and is heading over to Buffy's and we go back to the argument and Cordelia and Oz, like I said, or like we've all said that they're not like really, we don't blame them for anything. And they're the only ones who are actually doing anything constructive they are. during yes. this yeah. argument. Because Oz is trying to act as, you know, like an arbiter and Cordelia is mm-hmm. like, Let's look at things from Buffy's point of view. I mean, she does it in her Cordelia way, but she's right. crying. And Buffy does snap at her, but I almost don't blame Buffy. It's a heat of the moment thing, but yeah, mm-hmm. Cordy's not. And also at at this point, Buffy is just like, I mean, basically everyone's been attacking her. She's for melting down. Yeah. Yeah. But there is one other person who's not horrible. Jonathan? Yes. <laughs> it's like, just 
dip. I, I know. I do. I do love. I, I, my notes is <laughs> Jonathan. Yeah, there there are two bits with Jonathan that I love, and that's Jonathan with the dip, and in the background once the the zombies do attack. So you see him holding on to one of the band members' guitars, and he's using it like a bludgeon. Mm. <laughs> and the guitar is almost as big as he is. The other thing I like, and and it totally drops the plot. I just for a moment when the fight starts, Devin is helping too. Devin is keeping a cool head, and he gets a zombie out the door. I thought it was just a nice little. Now they all mm-hmm. run upstairs without thinking about Devin, obviously. But I have a theory, and it's that not that it's demon, bunnies. Um, that demon? Devin, that Devin actually knows more about the supernatural than. Uh, is ever given away yeah, on the show. Nonsense. Because I think Oz probably told him that he was a werewolf, because, I mean, otherwise Dingus ate my baby. On the full moon, yeah. The full I mean, moon. Yeah, that... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good theory. I so, like it. So, I think, like, Devin just, like, has no interest in, like, you know, fighting evil, but, like, I, I think mean, he, he knows, knows enough, Yeah, it. no, for sure. So. And then him and Oz are gonna live together later, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think De- Oz definitely... Yeah. And Oz is so, like, I'm not going to say blunt because he's not necessarily blunt, but he's on it. You know, he'd be like, so Devin, here's the thing. I'm a he's werewolf. Honest. So I can't play any club dates. And he's like, huh, a werewolf? Yeah. And I expected Devin to be stoned during this conversation. I don't know. Now I'm just he'd probably yeah, be I'm like making up a story. He's like, that's that's kind of like, hot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Werewolf. Tell me more yeah. about that. Like, all right. So chicks might be into that. Chicks might be into that. Oh, that sucks, man. Full moon. Okay, I guess you can't play on the full moon. Cool. See you later. Speaking of Oz, um, one thing I noticed when they Oz and Cordelia run off together, I'm kind of sorry they never built up a Cordelia I know, and Oz I know, friendship. Same thing for me. I, mm-hmm. I noticed the exact same thing, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, it would have made so much sense, because they kind of hung around in the same social circles before they got right, involved yeah. with the Scooby gang. Yep. And... There's not the same baggage uh, with the We Hate Cordelia Club and everything. Mm-hmm. And although they, they, they are part of the gang at this point, they both kind of, they fit the same, they're in the same positions in the gang. They're they're sort of the, the significant others of more primary members yeah. of the gang. Yeah, it's it's like later on in seasons five and six, you'll get a friendship between Tara and Anya. That's kind of mm-hmm. what they should have done with Cordelia Yeah, and it's just a little Oz. subtle because, you know, right. Tara and Anya don't have tons of scenes together, but it's just sort of woven in there in the background. But you know that they're friends. You know that they get along. They, they address each other. And yeah, that, that would be kind of nice. Um, you know, I do love the minute the fight starts, the team comes together and starts, you go there, you go there, because they know. I mean, obviously, it's a very ham-handed metaphor at this point with the... Yeah, it's nice to see them all fighting, but honestly, once, like, the fighting starts, it's like, this episode is really yeah. anticlimactic, and it's like, it's a fight, it happens, demon dies. Yeah, it mm-hmm. happens. The other relationship I love, and they do pepper it in, and it's in this episode, is Giles and Cordy. Giles and Cordy, even yes. there's one or two lines here and there that they have in episodes where she's just trying to be helpful, and he's just like, oh my god, Cordy. But is it like a like I love Giles and Cordy interactions, and we get more of those again peppered through the seasons that she's around, and I just always enjoy their comedy vibe because mm-hmm. they have just a great yeah. comedy vibe. Yeah, and uh, so the fight happens, and it's very it's fighty. fighty, and Buffy is Buffy's very smart and is able to figure out how to take out Demon Pat, and it ends with Oz's never mind, which mm-hmm. is cute. Yeah, I have a question though. 
why, why do the zombies kill Pat? They don't seem to be killing anyone else. And theoretically, their their whole motivation is to get to the mask, they not the to kid attack. When they walked, they snapped the guy's joint, and they're the, oh, the guy they? that got on the phone, and that we were talking about that like elevated extra guy. They came oh, in and they? snapped his neck. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't. Know, I guess the reason I noticed Pat, Pat is because we spend more time with her being dead. I think and they it's were Pat being violent. Yeah. They're trying to swell their okay. numbers. So, but yeah, the fight happens uh and then mm-hmm. we get uh giles oh my and Skyder, god which is such a small scene but one of my favorite scenes oh that's and that's it's a great so scene small, yeah. and I, i've got some like lusty things to say but at the same time i it's 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 also two really good experienced actors in a scene together and even though it's small it's mm-hmm. it, it, yeah it's just it's yeah. you know armin and and tony are great at what they do and so experienced at what they do that they're able to just you yeah. know and then there's ripper face he makes ripper face yes. i love ripper face i even put in my notes i need it i needed a minute here calm, calm down andy you discuss the rest of the scene i'll say yes. nothing about ripper face well mm. i mean i think that's the, like you've basically covered it all they're both so good in this scene mm-hmm. it's really short it's dense like we we get that Giles is not going to put up with any bullshit from Snyder. Giles, it seems like he realizes that there's something wrong mm-hmm. with Sunnydale, with the government. So he's like, mm-hmm. screw it. I'm going to go over your heads. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, yep. and he doesn't, that little ripper face moment, that's the only time he uses violent or the threat of violence mm. against Snyder. the rest of it all is very logical yeah. and very right. like okay here are the other thing you can't do mm-hmm. this here's the laws and you know it's very reasonable uh and then that little mm-hmm. but then i'll also I'll beat the shit out of you like i am not the gentle yeah. british yeah. librarian you think i am dude no i mean the great thing is this scene unlike a lot of the rest of this episode is not at all overwritten and kind of blunt it's it's just Really, the scene's well-written. It doesn't do more or less than it needs to do. And it has two great actors, basically. Yeah. Just and doing it. as we said, yeah. Giles is the only one in this episode that's not awful. You know what I mean? I like, uh, it shows Giles is more logical, but like infinitely more loving way of dealing with these problems. Again, I, I feel awkwardness from Giles. There's the scene in the kitchen you know, and they're all talking to Buffy, and but I'm not feeling a, in this episode a a holding back of Giles. I mean, he's he's holding back, but he's not being passive aggressive like Xander and Willow and trying to like brush the problem aside. He's just or make his make the problem about himself and what his feelings are. He's just sort of mm-hmm. doing his Giles thing and doing it well and doing it the way you know, yeah. So that. Yeah, yep. but yeah, awesome scene, and then we get the final scene, which is Buffy and Willow at the espresso pump, and now with season three, we're getting into Buffy and uh, its use of magic, and um, mm-hmm. I did a couple of pagan blessings. Um, I yeah. did a couple of pagan blessings, yeah. and then she said she did something else, and she said, I don't know, it was like feel like being pulled apart inside. It's a literal quote when she mm-hmm. talks about trying to summon something. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that is not wow. And she also says it's like a drug. 
Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the thing about the doing a couple of pagan blessings. It just... Do I want to say cultural appropriation? Huh, really? I feel like I almost like that's that's kind of... Because... It's not her actual religion. You know, it's religion. like... It's, it's not like it's any... She's doing it and because it's, cool, it's fun. Not because she's actually a practitioner yeah. of... I mean, and and on this show, you're going to get the misuse of a religious name for magic, but... Yeah. And later on, when she actually does meet up with the Wicca group, she makes fun yeah. of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, you know, actually practicing Wicca. So, yeah. I mean, I know that shooty IB magic is going to fucking happen. I yeah, you're, you're right, MC. That does feel right. And knowing knowing the amount of pagans I know, I feel like... You know, because my, my church has its own pagan group, because that's part of, like, do your own thing, Unitarianism. It is like, yeah, you're right. I, I don't, if I was a modern day pagan, I would be, like, kind of like, really? That's, that's not what we do, dude. Anyway. I think that's a writer problem, not a character problem. And it's going to be a writer problem through this whole, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're going to misuse pagan. I would just prefer if we didn't use terms like pagan sure. or Wicca, or if we t- took more like a Harry Potter approach to it where it's like they're witches and they're wizards and it's not kind of you know we're separating the everything from yeah we're we're separating the two we have the shitty yeah. ib magic mm-hmm. and then we have actual like what thing and, yeah i mean so. just in terms mm-hmm. of the language we're going to use probably in the program that's a good idea to just talk about witches and things like that um yeah but yeah i did mm-hmm. notice it and I don't like oh. the ending a little bit where Willow is uh, basically lambasting it, Buffy in like a and quote unquote cute way. Buffy's line oh, is, yeah. they're teasing and Buffy goes, says her line is, oh, you know, you're right. I'm the bad. They've made her, she's internalizing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she's not being forthcoming with what really happened, but she's taking it in and saying, you're right. I was the bad one. I did something wrong. I did something you know, Sarah breaks my heart in this episode. Yeah. That scene where she starts crying also mm-hmm. in the party is... And Buffy breaks my heart. And Buffy taking yeah. this mm-hmm. on herself and not actually being really supported by the people that claim to be her team, except for mm-hmm. Giles. Um, and even then, we're going to have some problems with him this season. Yeah. It just, yeah, it breaks my heart. And it feels like the writers think Buffy is wrong when Buffy is... um. I'm not sure if they think she's wrong. No, I don't think wrong. I just hmm. think, yeah, part of this episode, I think you said it, MC, that it feels like the writers are on the gang side and not Buffy's side. I mean, as far as Buffy, like, internalizing this and taking on the, the being the bad the bad guy, I I see that as very, very character It is. It just breaks my heart. I mean, that's... I, it, no, I mean, it's, 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 un, it's, it's upsetting, but, but it's not... I don't, I, I don't, like, I don't know that the writers are taking that position. I think they may be just writing it in a way that is kind of real for for this character. Yeah. Is Fair that this point. is what no, she would I, do. I think so. I just probably, from my background in social services and social work, my thing is always, like, going right. to look at this piece of what... But, yeah, no, in terms of the writing and the and the arc and... I think you're right. It's just like mm-hmm. I get so upset when Buffy's upset. Is probably what it is. Oh, I, I totally get that. Yeah, it's just we bash the writers enough. No, I no, wanted no, to give them for sure. Point a little bigger. bit of leeway here. 
it seems like they dropped the ball because of my viewpoint on who's in the right and everything. Because the mm. whole episode, the problem is that nobody's talking to each other about what mm. happened over the summer. But we, at the end, we don't see anybody talking about what happened about the over the we summer. We have a fight. No, and that's true. And they all fight yeah. well together again and that gets them over it. They don't. And they... Well, essentially, what happens is Willow gets what she wanted, oh. which was something one to talk to about all the stuff that's been happening to her. But Buffy still can't talk about what happened to her. Yeah. And what happened to her is, let's face it, a little more significant. Oh, girl, you're amazing. I know you're not a girl, but you know what I meant. Like, that's just like, that's... Like, that's fine. I can be uh, a girl for, for now. Yeah. Valid, totally valid point. Like, totally not even valid. Like, that's yeah. a really great point mm-hmm. about... How Willow works, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I think I think what would have been great is if they had taken this tack at the end of this episode and then that had some mm-hmm. somewhere paid off. Mm-hmm. Like, Buffy would have come back and said, you know, we always, you know, I mean, I get that you needed this to talk about this stuff and I'm glad we talked about it. But, you know, I have needs too and you're all being jerks about it. Well, this is why I think that the thing about Angel should have come out in this episode. So mm-hmm. that things could have been shifted to Buffy's actually going through a lot of shit and you guys are not actually supporting her on it, but whatever. I think, um, just, you know, to start with the final thoughts on this episode, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind this episode, but so much of what happens with the conflict with the gang does kind of poison the well a little bit because, I so strongly disagree with the way the writers portrayed who was in the right. Because it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that anybody has is in the right. They could have right. both been wrong, or not wrong, but had their sides that are just not meshing. But they so strongly said that the gang is right. That mm. it just bothered, bothered me. Bothered me too. Uh, so. I will point out um, my final thoughts that I, I wrote this in my notes somewhere. That much like in Anne, our last episode, the monster of the week is really inconsequential. You know, I mean, like it doesn't really matter because it's more about the emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought that was an interesting, like, you know, seeing that these first two episodes, I mean, obviously Ken, the demon was way cooler and better than like just zombies, but, um, Oh yeah. But, um, yeah. And Buffy's, Buffy's pink dress is so ill-fitting, I wanted to scream at it. Like, it's just not, <laughs> it's bad. Um, so anyway, yeah, final thought. It's not the best episode, mm-hmm. I don't mind it, but I, it makes me very no. emotionally angsty for Buffy. Yeah, the one, I mean, the only, the thing I was like, and I haven't thought this through fully, but to me it's kind of like a mirror image of, of hmm. when she was mm-hmm. bad. Hmm. Huh. It's got the Buffy returning and her having issues to work out. And in, instead of this time, her ignoring her issues and doing all kinds of crap like she did when she was bad and having to spank her inner Moppet. Here it's the opposite. It's like everyone else kind of treating the situation poorly. Yeah. So trivia for this episode. It just had that um, uh, there were three songs performed by Dingo's Ate My Baby, a.k.a. Four Star Mary. And it was Nevermind, Sway and Pain. And that's about it for uh, Dead Man's Party. So uh, Mm -hmm. 
Uh, next week, we'll be reviewing Faith, Hope, and Trick. So until then, grr, arg. Grr, arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. So we actually had a comment this week on the episode, Anne. So uh, we heard from our listener, Michelle. She said, great review of Anne, also one of my fave season openers. I think there's an interview with Julia Lee on Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast, where she said she kind of gave up acting when she had her daughter, but just this year her daughter finally reached the age and Julia showed her Buffy the show and they watched it together. Just thought that makes me go, duh, full circle. So uh, thank you, Michelle, for... Thank you, Michelle. Thanks. Thank you. That's a great comment and a new fact that none of us knew. So, yeah. like, I always love to know new, new things and why Julia Lee left the business. It's not an easy business. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for writing. Yeah, and it's always nice to hear that if someone is leaving the business, they're leaving for a good reason or a positive reason. It's also really nice to know that our listeners actually are listening to the podcast and can... Kind of interact with us and let us know things we didn't know before. So thank you. Yeah. Michelle. Yeah. It's always great to hear yeah. from people. And of course, shout out to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, one of our uh, fellow podcasts, uh, though I don't think they really need the shout out because Buffering the Vampire Slayer no, is quite like popular. A huge, huge, huge <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love knowing that uh, Julia ha- um, left acting for her own reasons and that she's now showing the show to her daughter. Uh, I mean, that's always really sweet when uh, kids are old enough to enjoy their parents' work. And so, yes, thank you for that uh, message. Uh, So we'd love to hear more questions and comments from our listeners. You can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube and Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at HellmouthReturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. And we'll read those comments and discuss them here on the show. So uh, we'll be back next week um, with uh, Faith, Hope, and Trick. Grr, arg.